0: Amen. So, we are starting a teaching series this morning called Death Doesn't Win. And just to give you a background, I've mentioned this before. At the start of the year, I, I, I sent out word on social media and said, if, what's the one thing that's most likely to keep you awake at night? And we had a lot of answers back. And there were three things that cropped up again and again. And again, one was thoughts of death, one was challenges over money, and the other was concern about family. And so what we are doing right now, uh, since I got that feedback earlier in the year, um, we are going to do three series that will touch on each of those topics. So today we're going to start three weeks of teaching on the subject that death doesn't win. I was just thinking as I was driving here this morning, May the the 16th today. On May the 16th of 2019, I landed at JFK and that was the last international flight I took. And as many of you know, um, just the way my life and ministry has developed, I did quite a lot of travel. In fact, for that trip, I took a brand new suitcase I decided to retire my old Samsonite case and estimated it had been with me traveling half a million miles. But I haven't been anywhere for for, for that two years. Now, I've got some friends, I I know a few folk who when it comes to a kind of long distance traveling that I'm doing would say, I'm just terrified of the thought of that. Planes only ever scared me once. I was in... 10th grade. And in our school, we had, you could join, it wasn't kind of ROTC exactly, but there was sort of a military cadet set up, you could join, you had the choice Army or Air Force cadets. I decided to become an Air Force cadet, it was an a, um, you know, out of school activity or after school activity, uh, because they told me if you do the Air Force one, you get to fly. And I was like, you know, that excited me. So, I did all the other stuff, and then there came the, the, the time when we were getting ready, and we were going to fly. Now, we were going to go in a training plane. It was called a chipmunk. I guess because it was a little and squeaked, but it was a little plane, and there were two seats. So, there was a cockpit with a pilot in the front, and you sat behind, and that was it. And then we went through a whole bunch of training. And they showed us because there were dual controls and the plan was at some point in our short flight that actually we would take control of the plane. So they taught taught us all the controls and everything and that was the first class. And then the second class we had to do was exiting the plane in an emergency. That was what freaked me out. Because to go into this little plane, you strapped on a parachute and you wore a parachute from get-go. And so you sit there in your parachute, and they told us what you've got to do, and in the case of an emergency, you're going to hit one of these yellow and black striped little bars on the side of the cockpit where you're sitting, and the top of the cockpit will fly off, and then, then at that point, you get up, stand on your seat, and you dive out of the plane. Okay, they said, you dive out because there's a chance the tail fin will come along and it could chop off your feet, but don't jump out because if you go feet first, your head's gone. I was scared when I got in that plane, but thank God I'm here to tell the tale. We're often scared of experiences we haven't had before, of things we don't know about. And there's a lot of fear that surrounds death. Death, the last great enemy. There's a lot of fear that surrounds death. There's, there's fear about how we might die. Right, is that okay? All right, because I, I know, you know the purists say, Christians shouldn't be afraid to die. Hey, I am. You know, I'm, I'm hesitant about how i put in my order about how I'd like it to take place. But the truth is, death has no fear for me. But fear might surround how we die. And then, of course, there's the fear, if that's the right word, of, you know what, of leaving. I want to see Jesus, but I don't feel ready to leave my loved one. And then for some, and this was mentioned in the feedback I was given, there is the fear, a fear of meeting God. And I want to try to address those this morning biblically. So I want to start here in the book of Hebrews in chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, that says this. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, that's you and I are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood, in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it to himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death. By embracing death, he destroyed the devil's hold on death. When God wanted to save mankind, He did it by a man. He came in human form, which is very different from the gods of other cultures. Because the gods of other cultures were and are, they're detached. And the main concern of their followers is not to make them angry and and to try to do things that will please them. So they are distant, and, and, and their followers are just trying to keep their God happy. But in our situation, our God was so concerned that we should be reconciled to Him that God became man. The heart of the gospel is not discovering a path to a distant God. The heart of the gospel is that God came to us. And he identified with us. A Savior who knew what it was to feel tired can understand our exhaustion. A Savior who wept can appreciate our sadness. A Savior who was rejected can feel our pain. You can't fully sympathize until you've been through the same experience. You see, I, I talked to Ali earlier who's here singing for us, and I said earlier, I really appreciate what you're doing, you know, at this stage in your life, but, but you know what? I can't sympathize because I've never been there. I understand it gets real complicated, but when Charlotte spoke about it, Charlotte can sympathize because she's been there. You know, doesn't it get frustrating sometimes where you're sharing something with people and they say, oh, I fully understand. And you really want to smack them and say, no, you don't. you got no idea what I'm talking about. But thanks for trying to be nice, you know? But our Savior can identify with us in everything. Because the Bible says he was tested in every way like we are. So, Jesus came to go through everything that we go through until finally there was only one more thing ahead, the big one. And this was very different because Jesus did not just die so that He could understand our experience because we will all die, Jesus died to strip death of its power. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, He suffered death so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. It, Jesus didn't just die so that he could understand the human experience of death. Jesus did far more than that. Jesus died so that he could taste death for everyone. Uh, a, a while ago, we were sitting in a diner one Sunday after church, my wife and I, and we were sitting there and, uh, and, and, and we'd, we'd finished our lunch. And as we finished our lunch, our server came over to us and he said, somebody took care of your bill. I said, what do you mean? He said, your check's paid. So we could get up and walk out of the restaurant without me even having to reach for my wallet because it was all taken care of. If you want to know what diner we'll be at later today, I'll let you know as you leave. Uh, (laughs) For those who don't know me, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but, But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just die so he could sympathize with us. Jesus died to pick up the check. Jesus died and he paid our debt. Jesus died so we could be free. Jesus died so death would have no claim whatever on you and I. And so we can declare this morning, death does not win. Death doesn't win. Death does not have the last word. God has got the last word. In in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15, it says this. It says that Jesus freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. And if that should be you this Sunday morning, scared to death of death, Of death. My prayer is that you will get a better grasp of what Christ has done for us because he came, he came so that he could experience everything we do right down to the last thing and to take away the fear of death, to free those who cower through life. Scared to death of death because the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what God wants for us. So when we look at death, there might be fear about how we leave, how we die, about leaving our loved ones. And there might be fear about facing God. So let me just focus on each of those. The fear of how we die. Here is is the bottom line statement. Our times are in His hands. Our times are in His hands. Right back towards the beginning of the Bible in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 32 and verse 39 God said, there's no other God beside me. I bring death, and I give life. It's a huge truth here. We really need to make sure we've got a grasp on. God is the giver of life. And when we leave this earth, it's because God decided we would leave. Psalm 139 and verse 16 Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. When I was unformed, before I was born, God wrote details of my life and your life in His book. That's what the Scripture says. It's kind of like when we took, got the keys to this building. When we got the keys to this building, this was a huge empty warehouse. There wasn't the entrance. You come in now. There was just a roll-up industrial door there. That was it. All the things you see around you weren't here. The restrooms that are there, we didn't have the restrooms and everything else. But then a couple of architects came in And they hung out with us, and they talked about how we are as a church and how we tend to do things. And then they looked at the building, and a few weeks later, they sent us some drawings. And we looked at their drawings and said, no, let's move a few things around here and here and here. And then they came back to us with another set of drawings. And then eventually, we get pages and pages and pages of drawings. There was a plan before anything took shape. And what you look at now is the result of that plan. And before you and I were born, God wrote down the plan for our lives. God wrote down the plan. Now you may say, well, what about the bad things that happened to me? Why didn't God stop those? I can't answer that. I just know that God's got the plan. And I know this, He is a loving Father, and ultimately, He works everything for good to those who love Him. God had the plan before we were born. Our times are in His hands. Actually, Proverbs twenty twenty four is pretty gut-honest when it says, Since the Lord is directing our steps... Why try to understand everything that happens along the way? (laughs) Hello, That sounds kind of logical, doesn't it, really? You know, God's God's organizing it all, but God's doing it from his perspective and with everything he sees and everything he knows, and we're never going to be able to understand everything from our perspective. I sometimes hear people who who would pass a comment like, well, you know, she died too young. I'm going to make a statement here you may or may not agree with or like, But I'm going to tell you this, no one ever died too young. Oh, we'd have loved them to have been here much longer. But God had the plan and wrote the plan. And when we were born, we were born by the will of God. And when we leave this earth, we leave this earth by the will of God. And painful as partings are, the reality is this, they're part of the plan of a loving Heavenly Father. I'm going to tell you something else as well. People don't die because of the lack of faith of those around them. They die because God had the plan. I've heard that so many times. We obviously should be praying more. The church isn't in the position it should be. You know, if we had more faith and if we'd done this, maybe we should have fasted. My Lord. So you thwarted the plan of God because you wouldn't give up breakfast. It's like, no, God's, God's, a bit, God's a bit bigger than that. God's a bit bigger than that. And, and ultimately, God is going to do what God is going to do because in the end of the day, every prayer comes back to thy will be done. So we pray, and we keep praying, and we keep praying, but in the end of the day, our times are in God's hands. I know I'm talking to people today who've lost children, who've lost spouses, some of you very recently. But the fact we can't understand doesn't mean something went wrong. We trust that our times are in His hands. It means there's a far bigger plan which we can't comprehend and wouldn't have even asked for. But the fact is this, the whole of creation is an ongoing miracle of design. I don't understand it all, all the the movement of the planets and the universe and this, that, and the other, but everything is a miracle of design, everything in its place and everything functioning as it should function, and human life does too. In Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24, it tells us this. It says, Enoch walked steadily with God, and then one day he was simply gone. Look at the next bit. God took him. God took him. God took him. There's only one way a believer passes. God took him. God took her. Disease takes no one. God takes people. Accidents don't take them. God takes them. It was the time that God had written in the book, and He knew it would be this way, but it's part of His plan and the plan of a loving Father. Our loved ones leave us because God says it's time. It wouldn't be our time, but God says it's time. Some people say, well, you know, you can ask the Lord about it when you get to heaven, and it won't matter when you get to heaven. We're going to talk about that next week. What comes next? That's what we're going to talk about next week. But it won't matter when you get to heaven. So there's the fear of how we die, and, and, and that's a natural thing. But the bottom line is we've got to have faith in this, that God's the giver of life, and God's the one who decides when it's time. For each of us to be with himself and and then another thing is you know the the fear of leaving loved ones and again let me let me underline something that's so clear in in scripture, and that is this: nothing here is eternal, nothing, obviously all we think about. You know, 999999 percent of the time is here and now in this life. And that's, that's natural because it needs all of our attention. But nothing here is eternal. First John chapter 2 and verse 17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. The, everything in this world, everything is part of this life. There is nothing whatever that is permanent that is here on this earth. And we aren't either. First Corinthians 15 and verse 49 tells us this. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, that is we've got an earthly body, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. Nothing here is eternal. The earthly body is not eternal. So we live life here as it is for a season, but the fact is, The day comes when we need to be transformed into what the Bible calls the image of the heavenly man. And the next verse, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50 says this, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. One thing we can't take to heaven is the body that we live in. Some of, some, of my, um, some of my worst moments in traveling have not been on planes. Over the last 20 years, they've been with the TSA, going through security. And if you work for the TSA, God bless you. I'm sure you're not one of those people that I have challenges with. But it's, but it's like, you know, I, I was the first year that our son and his family had moved to Texas. We were going down for Christmas. And he said, you know what I'd love for Christmas? A snow globe with the Manhattan in it. Just a reminder of New York. So we looked around and we found a really good one, a really nice one packaged it really well. I put it in my hand luggage, and we, we set off, and we're going through security, and they pull my bag to one side, and the guy pulls it out and says, you can't take that. I said, what's the matter? He said, it's liquid. I said, it's a snow globe. He said, yeah. I said, it's sealed. The thing is totally sealed. It's liquid. You can't take that. So, we had another little conversation, and um, anyway… It wasn't one of my proudest moments, but he won. Um, So, so he's got to take it. No, I mean, I remember the time we were in Florida. I found a Scottish store, and they were selling Scottish marmalade. I love marmalade. Dundee orange marmalade. So, I bought a jar, and I carried it in my hand luggage, and the guy said, that's liquid. And I said, it's jelly. But in the last 20 years, we've all found the things we can't take with us. This body won't go to heaven. There has to be the transition. There has to be the transformation. Verse 53, 1 Corinthians 15. The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And the reality is what is happening then is we are moving away from what was temporary and we are going towards what is eternal. Second Samuel chapter 12, King David had lost a son and he was grieving the son for a long time. And after an intense period of grieving, one of his servants suggested for him, you know, he might need to really get back to some of his regular life because he was the king and needed to run the country. And the servant said to him, look, you can't, he can't come back to you, but you can go to him. And King David took those words and he said, yeah, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. There has to be the transition from this earth to heaven to leave this body to take on an eternal body. But the truth, praise God, is this, that the separation and the parting is only for a season. Because as everybody who knows Christ can say, I will go to him, I will go to her, I will go. The pain of them not being there with you just now is a very real one, and it's not something that disappears. But balancing that out, the loved one not being there, thank God there is the hope of saying, but I will go to him. I will go to her. There will be the reunion. Some people say to me, well, are we going to know each other in heaven? Well, let me just tell you, I can't turn you to an exact verse that says, you will know your loved ones in heaven. You won't find that exact verse. But here's a couple of quick things I'm going to throw out at you. One is that in Matthew 8, Jesus said that people are going to come from the north, west, east, whatever else, and they're going to sit down in the kingdom of God with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, Jesus said people are going to be recognized and recognizable in heaven. And then, of course, in 1 Corinthians 13, the Scripture tells us there. It says, yet, he said, the moment we don't see things clearly, but you, you know what? The day is going to come when we will see as clearly as God sees us. So, actually, we aren't going to be less sharp in heaven. We're going to be sharper still. And some of you said, thank God for that. Right? We will see things Clearly, relationships treasured on earth will be perfected in heaven. Nothing here is eternal. But then let me just turn to this, and this will help to lead us into communion. Death holds no fear for the people of God. Death holds no fear for the people of God. Hebrews 9.27 says, everyone has to die once, then face the consequences. Now, you purists with history in church probably will know that from the King James Version that says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. Yeah, that's what it says. The message kind of just uh, it uh, gives it less of a harsh edge. Everyone has to die once. I don't know. Is this less of a harsh edge? Then face the consequences. Now, if you put that Scripture out there, death could be a little bit scary because the reality is this. We are all aware of our shortcomings, yeah? yeah. Praise God. Six honest people. That's good. If we can repeat that in second service, it we'll would be great. No, but you get, you, you get me, Right? So that's where we're from. So everyone has to die and then face the consequences. If you leave that verse sitting there in splendid isolation, you're missing a part of the impact of that whole message because you've got to look at a Bible text within the context of what's around it. So Hebrews 9, 27 says everyone has to die once, then face the consequences. Verse 28 says this, Christ's death was a sacrifice that took care of sins forever. Praise God. You know what that means? That means for those who've trusted in the, th- the work of Christ on the cross, the truth is this. There are no consequences because He took my con- the consequences of my sin and your sin on Himself. Christ's death was a sacrifice that took care of sins forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. Since death came through a man, Adam's sin passed on to human race, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Jesus surrendered his life and then went on to deal with death. There's an interesting verse in, in Acts 2, verse 27. Acts 2, 27 says, You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. That's a quote from the Psalms, actually, but it's taken as being a reference to Jesus. Because here's what the Bible says. It says, when Jesus died, it says he went down into the lower parts of the earth. So, so, so he went down. Acts two twenty seven 27, to the dead. He went down to the realm where the devil held people prisoner for eternity. And Jesus went down to the realm of the dead. And when Jesus died, there he is. And the devil says to him, th- this is the Roger Blackmore elaborated version. All right, so the devil says to him, I've got you now. And Jesus says, you didn't even get me here. I came of my own choice, and I'm leaving right now, and by the way, I'll take the keys. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus says, I'm alive. I died, but I came to life, and my life is now forever. See these keys in my hand? They open and lock death's doors. They open and lock hell's gates. Jesus defeated death through his death and his resurrection. So we boldly declare today, death does not win because the last great enemy has been defeated. Why don't you take a moment to relocate that communion cup. And just take a hold of it now. What what you're going to find there is uh, we've got, there there are two layers to this cup. One has got a a wafer in and then the other one has has got some grape juice in. And here's what we're going to do. The night before he died, Jesus led his disciples through a very important and very significant visual lesson. He took bread and broke it and said, all of you take this and remember me. And Today as we share together in a moment what I want to encourage you to do, is just remember Jesus went through death for me. Death is defeated, and I have life through His sacrifice. If you just tear back the top film, and uh, this can become very complex activity, and take out the wafer. and Just take a hold of the wafer while we pray together. Lord, thank you that you came to experience everything that we experience. And you were even willing to experience death. But Thank you that in going through death, you stripped it of its power over us so that now the gate to eternal life is open. Lord we thank you for your death and for your sacrifice and we remember that as we eat together let's just eat the wafer thank God that Jesus' body was broken for us and if you tear back the second film where the grape juice is underneath Jesus said to his disciples, just remember that my blood was shed for you. Blood was the symbol of life. So Jesus' blood was shed. His life was poured out for us. And as we drink today, we say, this was for me. His death was for me. His blood was shed for me and what that means is today I am forgiven I am reconciled I am set free and it means that death is defeated for me thank you Lord, let's drink together Lord as we do this we remember that you said to your disciples I'll do this again with you in my father's kingdom thank you for the promise that we will partake with you again in heaven itself amen